Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. And Peter, before I say hello, I just want to say that last sentence. We really are going to talk about that today, that adversity can be more than something to just endure, grit your teeth, and try to get through. There's something there worth going for. Absolutely. I'm glad that Jenny's voice sets the tone for this broadcast because it's an adventure today. And uh, she's definitely uplifting presence for this uh, broadcast and for every broadcast. But today's an adventure, folks, because we have so much to pull from and to draw upon uh, that's important. And we certainly draw upon our life experiences and relationships that we are building and, and learning from. Uh, this certainly, I've had some special times this weekend um, that are enlightening and awakening and thought and thought provoking. Um, and that's where we're going to go today. But we're going to certainly incorporate a lot of the materials uh, that we've put out to you about the value of adversity, the what you can get out of it, uh, and uh, I want to just say the the the. The title of this today is really important, and I'll tell you how we got to it in a minute. But Jenny should tell you the Okay, title. I'll be I'll be Ms. Announcer. Uh, our title is Generosity of the Spirit. Yeah. And Peter had a wonderful time this weekend uh, that is uh, kind of behind that title. Yes, and that's where this comes from. And I had a, a, a wonderful lunch with a, a, a a woman who is the widow of probably my primary mentor in my life, who he's been gone now over 30 years. I haven't seen her in 30 years, and I reached out to her. She's quite a woman. And uh, it was amazing how when you can come together with someone and you haven't seen them in a long time, and there's so much overlap and so much to talk about, but not just gab, but really important, thoughtful questions uh, and sharing life experience that's happened. She's come a long way. She's a, a fine woman, and she's an impressive, lovely lady. Uh, I think a lot of her. But um, as we were talking, um, her husband made a great impression on her, too, um, uh, not just me. And he was a, it was a great man. And thankfully for him, because if it weren't for him, I probably wouldn't be in the shape I'm in today. Uh, he's a man who helped turn my life around. And uh, he wasn't afraid of me, which was really good. Weren't a lot of those around back yeah, then. Yeah, but he was almost six foot seven, 340 pounds. So I think I was the one who had to be careful. <laughs> um, but he was a great guy. He, was, he taught me so much about um, it's, fine, it's, it's important to be a strong man, but it's also important to be a vulnerable man. And be able to show my deeper emotions and feelings, my sensitivities. I learned that from him. And he didn't look like he was the most sensitive human being. And yet he, he had a side to him that I, need to, I needed to learn from. And he was a wonderful mentor. 
I'll always hold him dear to my heart, and that's Jerry Frank. His wife is an outstanding woman. She's been through plenty herself. And she asked me some, we were talking, and she asked some pretty interesting questions uh, just off the top in our discussion that you'd think she's right, been right at her side and uh, um, thoughtfully engaging with what we are talking about. Um, but one of the things she said that uh, Jerry left with her, left her, was uh, it's so important to have a generosity of the spirit no matter what, and to be, a, uh, to be able to, a desire to give and to love in your giving. And he was a loving man, and he dealt with some people that weren't very lovable, but he had a way of doing that. Um, and he, sh- he certainly taught me how to bring that out myself. I, I needed a lot of encouragement about that. Um, so the title is uh, important, but it's what's behind it that's even more important. And one of the things that Tina asked me, and I, I thought it was very touching and very uh, timely as far as what we're dealing with in our, in our lives, is that uh, she said, why do some people have to suffer more than others? Hmm. Is that really, she asked me, is that really, do you see that? Does that seem to be true for you too? Do you see that? And she was asking in a very genuine way, mm-hmm. um, why do some people suffer and struggle more than others is it true that some people struggle and others don't um i thought they were very important questions um she also was talking about herself i knew that and and that she's been through a lot Mm -hmm. she lost the man that was her soul mate uh, that she adored and loved and uh, she was a young woman at the time there's been almost about 30 years a little over 30 years yeah she was quite younger so she was young when he died Mm -hmm. but she loved him and they were very close uh and I know it's been something that she's carried deeply within herself. And he had a lot of wisdom uh, uh, and strength in his wisdom. So uh, she carries that. I can hear it. And, you know, it was interesting. So do I. Um, we've gone a lot further since. And I, I remember when I was with him, he said, you're going to go a lot further than I have. And I used to look at him and go, I don't want to. If I could just do mm-hmm. as well as you're doing, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. He says, no, you're going to go much further. Well, he was very prophetic because it's true. And we have added a lot to our work since then and done a lot more growing, but he's always going to be a part of what we do. Um, He wasn't perfect. He was imperfect, but he had qualities that I really valued. And uh, he had the strength and the sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Anyway, but being with Tina was a a real lovely experience, a a bright woman. She heads up a number of foundations. She's been uh, very involved um, at the highest, really high levels of uh, uh, charitable foundations. Um, Boy, she's done some great work, and she knows a lot more than we do. And Mm -hmm. I was interested in learning from her. Um, but she had a lot to say. But she also asked some very penetrating personal questions. Not the kind that would embarrass you. It wasn't that kind. It was the kind that made you think. Mm-hmm. Because these are things that were on her mind. And the truth is, we do have the answers. Now, I don't mean the ultimate answer. But these are things we are talking about every day. Yes. These are things we're talking about on this. On very, our podcast. On our podcast. On our work. All of that. Absolutely. And it's it's a good question. Now, as far as we're concerned, we're immersed and involved in people's suffering and struggle and pain every day, hour after hour, and we have our own. So it's we are the folks that uh, 
didn't escape <laughs> without too much struggle and pain. Uh, that's not true at all. I mean, we have a lot of it. I also see the value of it and have grown through it and keep growing and learning through it all the time. Um, so I embrace it. And I talked to her about that. And I, and I was we were talking and I, it was like talking right out of these podcasts and some of the things we've written um, about no one escapes <laughs> difficulties in life. No one. Um, and that's a fantasy that some people uh, are going to have it so easy and life's going to go well for them and so simple and they're not going to have to deal with the hard things in life. That's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately in our society has been fed, but it's not true. Um, we all go through difficult times and adversity. No one is immune. And we've spoken about that so many times. And I wanted to convey that to her, that, oh, no, um, everyone is touched by it. It's a condition of life. You never escape it. Uh, some people definitely have more of those difficult times than others. Uh, that's for sure. But nobody escapes. And um, and I was actually was telling her, you know, it's a handicap for folks that have gone through easy times, may have a lot of money, have had an easy life, quote unquote. When the difficult times hit, they're very unprepared, and they don't have the re- they don't have the resources of experience to draw upon to bring them through these difficulties. Um, so I don't look at that as that particular fantasy as something that is beneficial. Although it's nice, it's a, it's a nice fantasy. Uh, I wouldn't mind moments of it, and I have my moments of it too. But to think there's a life of that, that's a handicap. That's not a strength. Um, and some people who are very wealthy really believe they're insulated and isolated. And they make quite an effort to, to create that in their life, to set up their life to be insulated and protected. Yeah. For as long as they can. Yeah, and they thinking that that is going to make them happy. Yeah, unfortunately, we've all had some of that fantasy, and many of us have pursued it for a long time. But honestly, that's a fantasy that has some consequences. I'd much rather have a repertoire of experiences, uh, struggles, and challenges like I have had, because I can draw upon those. That's part of my arsenal. It also has had a lot of value for, to me. Um, I was telling her one of the things is, uh, and her husband was a clinician and I was too, that I don't see people as clinical cases anymore. I see them as fellow human beings and fellow travelers. Uh, sure, I have the clinical experiences as part of my arsenal, but honestly, it is so much sweeter and so much nicer to be able to relate human to human and to see the fragile state, the difficult state of being a human being, I love it. I relish it, and I find it to be the source of a lot of fulfillment in my life. Um, I just had it today. I just went for lunch. I have it. (laughs) Just uh, talking to the waitresses and the people there, and they saw Lynn. We took Lynn to eat, my wife, in her wheelchair last week, and they were just so happy to see her. And they said, she looks so well. And you know, she's not. And yet they were so appreciative and so loving and uh, grateful. And it made me, um, it made me awaken because I didn't see that because I see the day-to-day struggles that we're having. Mm -hmm. But they see it and they share it with me Mm -hmm. heart to heart. And I love that. 
uh, and they feel comfortable for, with me. They don't call me Dr. Bernstein. They call me Peter, mm-hmm. and that's the way I like it. Um, we have a bridge, a human to human. It comes from struggle, suffering, humility, humanity, all of that. Um, so that's kind of uh, what I talked to Tina about. Uh, you know, not everybody's immersed like we are. This is our calling. This is our choice. That's right. She's in a very calling in her life, and yet she's experienced is plenty. Mm-hmm. A very compassionate woman. Um, but also, when I talked to her, I could tell these are these were things she wanted to hear about. She wanted to relate, hear somebody. She wanted to hear me. Mm-hmm. And it was easy to talk about because it's what we do every day. Uh, it's almost like I've seen her yesterday, and it was 30 years. And she's, here she is talking to me about exactly the things mm-hmm. that we consider so valuable and important and for everyone to think about and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's one of the things I wanted to begin to talk about today. But I also wanted to... Uh, I know we're going to have a break in a couple of minutes, but don't get disrupted too much today, Jenny. Watching Steve, just uh, stay with us, and that'll be... Per, uh, on the side. All right, I'll put up that little yeah, wall yeah, there. Yeah, don't, don't keep thinking about it. Okay. That'll be distractive. But, um, and I'm telling her that because she's a little distracted right now. I yeah. could tell, looking over at Steve, how much time to have. And I'm, I don't want it. Don't worry about it. Okay. He'll hold up his white sign. He'll let us know how much time we have. Yeah, yeah, until a break. Okay. But anyway, we've been talking about caregivers a lot. And uh, the importance of that position in life. Uh, it's a... Very difficult one, very challenging. And we've been talking about what we're seeing caregivers go through, the family members who are thrust into it, not by choice, um, which is very difficult and heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. And there's so much to learn about that role, how to preserve yourself. And then we're talking about so many caregivers that we have known that are semi-professional type that are doing it, and we're watching them crash and burn one after another. Yeah. and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of understanding about self-care, not even a lot about self-awareness, which is, that has consequences, especially in the profession of caregiving, because that's one that's, that eventually the stresses of it, the nature of the beast, strips us, mm-hmm. that brings us face-to-face with ourselves. You can't get around it. No. It's that challenging. There's value to that, but there's a difficulty that goes with it. Um, one of the things that happens for people that are caregivers is eventually they get tired. They get exhausted. They begin to have to face their own flaws, their own weaknesses, and their own humanity. Now, there's an attitude that can go with that. One is, well, I'm strong and I can handle it and I don't need to look at that, um, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the other is people who are broken and run from it. And they're so terrified and ashamed and embarrassed, they don't even want to admit it. But what happens to either one is they begin to get to be a liability to the people in need. Mm-hmm. Um, because self-care doesn't seem to factor in very much. And even if it does, it's so superficial and shallow that for that kind of work you need, like as our, one of our mottos at our institute is, we have serious solutions for serious problems. Well, this is not something you can dabble in. You've got to realize you're doing a serious job, and you have to take it seriously in the sense of self-care being very, very important. That entails 
a lot. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I think we're ready for a break, right? Does that sound like a, a plan? Is that all right? Yeah, that's all right with me. Okay. Yeah, go all ahead. Right. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma, 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And uh, in our first segment of our uh, podcast today, Peter was sharing uh, a, a really special time uh, that he had over the weekend with a, an old friend mm-hmm. who asked him a very, uh, a very important question, which is, why do some people suffer so much? Suffer and struggle more, maybe more than others. And is there, and, and kind of with that question comes the other question, whether it's spoken or not, which is, is there any value that can come from, from, from going through this? Is there, is it, is it just all uh, negative? Can anything good come from this? Uh, what, what can happen? Well, that's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but I heard something else from Tina. And that was, there seems to be people that don't struggle and don't suffer as much um, and don't have as hard as as she was alluding to herself, that she's been through a lot. She doesn't look it. She's a beautiful woman. Uh, she's precious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you wouldn't know it, but she's been through a lot. But she's saying, well, she may know other people that don't seem to have gone through a lot. And that's almost like a, something to look up to or they found, they live an easier they found the answers. They found the answers. It may be having a lot of money, position in life, discovering all the goodies that our society uh, embraces. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, that is a fantasy. That's not the case. And it's though I find those people to be very fragile when it comes to push comes to shove. In real life, the real the, that condition of life that's so difficult hits them. Mm-hmm. They don't have much to draw upon. They're actually, in some ways, kind of handicapped. They, I consider it a handicap. Now, yeah. now it's coming from a person who's dealt with struggle and suffering his whole life. And I've embraced it as a calling in my life. So I've helped thousands of people through that. So I'm not one of the people that lives the um, untouched life. So um, I may be coming from, <laughs> from a little bit of a jaded place. But nonetheless, I've known numbers of people who come to me and and they act like they were untouched by life and everything was so wonderful and then real life hits them that condition of life hits them mm-hmm. and they're so ill-equipped and to get them to embrace uh, the experiences in a new way and realize through it they can begin to find purpose and meaning and compassion for their fellow man and a connection with their fellow man that they didn't have before. Yes. And also a deeper connection with themselves. With themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to um, uh, talk about caregiving, the role of caregiving, mm-hmm. and how this comes together for caregivers and the challenges, the intense challenges that they face, uh, the pain and the struggle with themselves and with the, the caregiving role. Well, I mean, you're saying it, you're, you're clarifying something about it is the caregiving role um, is a very difficult one and you got to wonder who are the people now I'm not talking about family members that don't have a choice 
But who are the people that are drawn to being caregivers? Yes, and and there are people for whom this is something they are feel uh, a passion to do. And and what is behind that? What what can be happening? I have never seen a caregiver yet that didn't have struggles, pain, and suffering and trauma in their backgrounds. I've not seen one. I have seen many of them um, feel that they've come out of that with a deeper sense of calling to help others, especially uh, these are especially caregivers from other cultures. But I'll be honest with you, they all have wounds and scars from their past. Um, here's the problem. They're not healed at all. And mm. I am seeing that. You're seeing it yeah. um, so much of the time. And yet they don't know how to deal with it. They don't even have a way of understanding the importance of dealing with that until they get exhausted, until the distress and stress of caregiving breaks them down. And it happens to everyone. What we're seeing is a lot of caregivers begin to act out. Acting out means they start being, they're not so nurturing and compassionate anymore. They start building resentments. They start getting edgy and angry. Um, they start being disconnected, what we call disassociative. Um, we begin to see their behaviors. They begin to neglect the people they're going to care for. And the nurturing and nourishing relationship that is so essential to being a good caregiver begins to go away and deteriorate. And the caregivers, frankly, if they keep going that route, and we've seen enough of them, are not useful anymore at all. They become a liability. In fact, they need to be moving on because they're not helping the person anymore. They're hurting them. Mm -hmm. And these folks that are in need are hurting enough, and they're terrified enough and dependent, so dependent. We've seen enough of those situations in the last month to wake us up to go, man, this is a big problem. So we've had talks with actually one of our care. We work in teams, which we've talked about, which we feel is the, I, the best way. Is, uh, caregiving. But one of, our fo- uh, one of our team members who's wonderful, and that's uh, Maritha, and she's Fijian, we want to know um, a little bit more about the Fijian culture. And I've talked to people since because we've been running into a lot of burned-out Fijians, mm-hmm. caregivers, um, and how they behave and begin to act out and how they begin to disappear or not show up. Or... And it's a little bit of a surprise for us because we see that the Fijian culture emphasizes caring for the older generation, uh, a family cohesion, um, more than than the culture here in America. Absolutely. And so, so it is a bit of a surprise to see uh, that break down for them. Well, it's a surprise that we're starting to awaken to <laughs> rudely awakened to, um, that they come with good intentions. They come with a, a spirit of giving and caring and selflessness for others that seems to go with the territory, mm-hmm. and they can't sustain. They can't sustain. No. No. And we're beginning to see why. The more we get to know, and it's not just Fijians. Haitians have been through a lot, uh, Filipinos. We've noticed a lot. Uh, it's it's not just one culture. No. But most cultures do a whole lot better than America as far yes, as this area. They start ahead of us in they, terms of a cultural appreciation for caring for the elderly. Elderly and the sick. Oh, I, I yeah. 
no question about it. But we're catch, we're going to catch up fast because we have more and more people in need of caregiving. We better catch up. Yeah, because it's growing exponentially. We're seeing that. But in the meantime, you look at these folks and they start off with good intentions. They mean well. They care. But they forget that they have to take care of themselves too. And uh, we've learned by talking that they don't have a clue what we're talking about. Yeah. Self-care doesn't really figure in truly to what it takes to get to create a resilience and a long-term sustainability as a caregiver. And that's what we want to stress, is how to help them begin to do that. Now, that's a change of consciousness. That's a change of awareness. Because very deliberate change very of Very deliberate. It's part of the calling. It's part of the discipline that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Because the early warning signs have to do with knowing yourself, um, where your weaknesses are, where the impact of your traumas and crises are, where your pain, your own personal pain is, you've got to know those things. Then you've got to have a way of dealing with them so you can come back restored, renewed, and continue in the nourishing and nurturing relationship that's so compassionate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about people that need to wake up and understand that they do begin to get resentful. They do begin to stash resentments. They do begin to get pent up. Uh, The way they may act out is they begin to get neglectful of the people they're in charge of. Or they may begin to uh, not want to come to work or not show up. Or uh, you just begin to see behaviors that aren't very good anymore and they're not Mm -hmm. very reliable. Mm -hmm. So you look at that and go, what's really going on here? These people started that are working with deep compassion and commitment and they can't seem to sustain. So we're looking at it and going, they have their own histories. They have their own pain. They have their own traumas and crises that, uh, uh, okay. Um, they have their own pain, yeah. their own trauma and crises. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're talking about awareness. Uh, uh, the, they've got to develop some awareness of what they bring to they have the experience to know. They of must, caregiving. They must know it, and here's why. Because by the nature of the job and the nature of the challenge, we are brought, we are stripped eventually. We are brought to our own humanity. And you, you can't avoid it. Because it's such a challenging thing to help someone who's sick and dying, uh, bring them through each day and and manage and help them manage for themselves or or manage for them. And uh, it's so demanding. It's such an unusual profession. It is. And yet it's so important and so highly valued. But there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And I would say number one is Mm self-care. Without that, you're not in for the long haul. Or um, I'm just thinking of some examples of how we've seen that lately. And uh, I think uh, we've had a couple of actually people have come to us and their charges that they've loved and taken care of for a number of years died. And they're ready to go on to the next thing in three or four days. Mm-hmm. And they're grieving. And that is a, that is a gap in understanding of self-care. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. maybe we better take a break. So. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And just before our break, we were talking about the, uh, just this, it's almost, I know we've talked about our work uh, as kind of an extraordinary reality. Mm -hmm. And I think caregiving is sometimes, you could call it that, it's an extraordinary reality. It's a place where we bring the, uh, the, 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 our past, our pain, our trauma, our struggles, uh, whether we're aware of them or not. And each day as we come to work, I know as a caregiver, each day when I come to work, I know that I'm going to be called to give beyond my abilities, uh, to be selfless. And uh, to then, but also stay aware of what's going on inside me. There's so much going on in the role of caregiving that, and, and staying aware of it is key. Yeah, it is. And I think that one of the things that you're alluding to is the kind of work we do at the Institute, which isn't quite the caregiving we're talking about all the time, although we're doing well, that too. It is a type of caregiving. We're doing that. We're doing both. Yeah. But when we're dealing with one type of caregiving that has to do with helping somebody to recover from trauma or crisis, and we're, we've got a lot of tools, um, certainly working with the somatic part of the, the their bodies and helping them through that, uh, and the memories that are held, we're very good at that. But here's the thing. They can take responsibility, and we want them to, for their recovery. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not quite the same. Not the same because uh, people who are uh, with dementia, Alzheimer's, or people who are uh, disabled, they cannot always take responsibility no, for what's happening. And, and it, it is, becomes much more of a one-way giving experience. It, it is a one-way giving. It is. And that makes it so much more difficult because you're giving 100% of yourself to someone who can't give back to you. Now, the bottom line to, an, to a wonderful, loving relationship with someone who's sick and dying, there is a fulfillment. There is a nourishment that's mutual. There is a healing that can take place, not just for them, but for you just by being in the, in the relationship. Yes. So that's a precious thing. But you are giving 100%. You are going to be 100% selfless. Mm -hmm. Very difficult thing to do. For anybody. Very difficult. Eventually, we are going to come up against ourselves if we have emotional exhaustion. Mm -hmm. That happens. We've talked about that, too. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to be triggered. And then you're triggered. And triggerings bring, eventually, if you don't deal with that, which means something's happening that, that uh, particularly if we're exhausted, brings up our own emotional materials, our own history, and our own pain that we haven't been willing to look at. Or we're able to put aside because normal day-to-day -day life doesn't make us confront doesn't draw it. it up. Nope. So you don't heal. You just no. live. Yeah. Uh, but this one, oh, no. This mm -hmm. exposes it right to the core. And we're made to face our own pain. Now, that pain can cause us to react poorly. The emotionality of it. If we act on it, yes. If we react. Yeah. And we're seeing too many caregivers react. When they get tired and stressed, it's hard not to sometimes. It happens. It's happened. Why do we have empathy? Because we've all done it. And uh, working in teams, <laughs> we see the weak link every week. Who is the person that's uh, more exhausted and uh, on the verge of burnout? We move in as a team, taking them off the front lines and bring somebody else in. And then we help them. Mm -hmm. But the people on our teams are committed to becoming the very best people that they can be within themselves. And that is such a key point. I just want to stress that. We were talking about that this morning. 
and what an important quality that must be to be a caregiver is to being committed to being a good caregiver mm-hmm. is being committed to be the best person that you can be for yourself for yourself that's right so that you can then give to others that's right but that also means doing a whole lot of work on, on yourself, yourself. And knowing there's a center of balance that you have, knowing yourself. It doesn't mean we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about when you know yourself, you know what it feels like when you're not doing well. Mm -hmm. You know what your traumas will create in you when they come to the surface and they cause difficulty and and, uh, destructive or uh, reactive behaviors and emotionality. You know what that's like because you know yourself. And then you know how to remedy it by getting some help, getting support, working it through so you can come back restored and refreshed and ready to meet the difficult challenges in front of you. Right. So uh, we're talking about something that's so critically important, and that is we need to know ourselves. And this is an ongoing life process. What does it mean? I'll give you an example. Um, If you have a history that involves, I'll take myself, Okay. I love doing that one. Um, and you have a you have an issue with anger, and you've had a rough upbringing or a rough childhood, a rough background. You know that it's left its wounds and scars. You know yourself because you know how you've reacted in, in years before, um, and the destructive behaviors that that can cause: uh, fearfulness, uh, overreactions, uh, bravado, many many things. Um, but not good. And when you know that about yourself, well, if you were me, you went and got some help because you know how destructive you could be. And uh, uh, I mentioned Jerry Frank. He was one of the people that helped me the most. He was the key person. Helped me get a PhD, yeah. change my PhD to something much more effective and applicable. But he was the man that helped me get through that. Mm-hmm. And I was very grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody could deal with me, and he could. And he was very loving. He had that that ability to love and to care for people. And it, it was very generous of spirit. He really was a good man. That meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. I needed to know that somebody could care about me in the, in the spite of how I was felt. Yeah. But one of the things I learned was about myself, about how I feel when I'm angry. What does my body feel like? How tense, do, why, where I start getting tense. Uh, I'll never forget when... Uh, uh, oh God! I was running a couple. Uh, I was uh, doing some running, and I remember my chest got really tight. And most people thought it would be a heart, it was a heart attack. I knew better. I knew what it was, mm-hmm. and it was the that was the armoring, the tightening that I used to protect myself when I was younger, when I was fearful and I was ready for a battle, and it was my shield. And I knew something was coming up. I was under a lot of stress at work as usual. But I hadn't had a chance to work it through. Mm-hmm. And man, it knocked me to my knees and it wasn't a heart attack and I knew it. And uh, I, I realized afterwards exactly what it was. And I had a lot of old defenses and old anger and pain that was coming up from being challenged at work. And I mean hour after hour by numbers of, of clients. Mm-hmm. And there it was. I was running and I was, uh, my body was beginning to let down and boom there was that to me i knew what it was because i knew myself enough and i had worked hard enough on myself to know exactly what it was to recognize it i did mm-hmm. didn't know what it was all about yet 
because that wasn't quite conscious, but it would be, and I knew it. Mm-hmm. That helped me stay balanced, mm-hmm. and uh, I did get some help with it. And I mean, I could go and take care of it very quickly, mm-hmm. but I I remember going back and dealing with another eight or nine people that day, mm-hmm. and I could do it because I took care of it, knew what it was, mm-hmm. and moved on. Mm-hmm. I had to. That kept me resilient for many years. Um, so I want to point out one thing, if I can, yeah. and that is that we're talking about your commitment to being your best self. That's correct. And what you're saying, not what you're saying, is not that your best self will never get angry, <laughs> will never overreact, That's right. will never have all those things going on. You'll just be this wonderful, calm, perfect person. That's not what you're saying. No. You're saying, I will not hurt people out of that. I will be aware, and make a different choice, and take care of myself so that I don't. Put this out on other people. That's correct. And I took a responsibility that I didn't want to hurt the people that I loved, that I cared about. I knew I could. So for me, this was essential. It was an awareness. It was a change of consciousness from the way I grew up. But I knew that the people that were in my life, I loved them. My wife was one. Uh, And I just knew that I didn't want to do any damage to anybody. And it really opened me up to a new kind of life, a life that had to do with loving and caring and taking responsibility for those that I loved, never to hurt them. And uh, that's carried me right through this li- to this point in my life. I've been together with my wife 45 years, and here I am dealing with her when she's so ill. And I love her more now than I did before, in a more selfless way than I ever knew possible. Um, to, uh, do I want to be the best person I can be to be able to be there for her? No question about it. Am I perfect? Far, far from it. But dealing with this and then helping others makes me face my own vulnerabilities, my own humanity. Now, that can be a scary place for a lot of people. And it can be hard to see what is of value in doing that. It's hard. It's painful. It's scary. Why would I want to do that? You don't always have a choice when you're a caregiver (laughs) because it's going to strip you to your core. Just like any kind of crisis would do or struggle, it strips us to our core. Some are shock traumas, and boy, we're stripped instantly. Others are ongoing, but you're going to be stripped. You're going to wind up looking at yourself. Well, I've learned in the past that that's not a bad thing, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, And here I am, a man who's always embraced strength. But I'll be honest with you, those aren't the moments that I feel strong. Those are the moments that I feel weak and vulnerable and helpless, and yet I know that out of that, something good is going to come. Always does. I always have that hope. It's never never failed me. That's my spiritual side of myself. I do believe in God. He's been there at my side when I needed him most of my life. And I embrace that. Um, And that's part of it for sure. But the other parts of it is I've had so much experience to know I I can get through this. And out of it, I'm going to be better and do better and become more compassionate, more responsive, more responsible, and more caring and giving than it was before. I like that. Now, I know that can come through difficulties, but look at the difficulties I'm called to come alongside. I better be at that place within myself that I can go there. I want to ask if uh, you've talked about Jerry, uh, Frank. Mm -hmm. Did he set this example for you? Did you see someone do it? Yeah. He did. He absolutely did for me. Um, and I was grateful to him. But he was there for me many times when I really needed him. Um, I was very successful in my work 
very early. But the truth is, I could never have done it if I didn't have good mentors like we are today. Never. He coached me in my life. Uh, he was my mentor. Um, in many ways, he was a man to look up to. There were certain things about Jerry that I never got to see until just before he passed away. And one of the things that I realized was, I don't want to live that way. I want there to be a certain kind of vulnerability and humanity in my work um, that I don't have to wait until I'm ready to die to show that kind of humanity. And people need to see that. I needed to see that in him. That part he didn't show too often. Well, I do. And frankly, I feel better for it. There are certain people I don't because they're not good people. They're not trustworthy. And of no. course, I'm not going to show that side. No. I have a good intuitive ability to read people because I grew up in the streets and uh, I know those I could trust and those I can't, for the most part, not everybody. Uh, but I needed that from Jerry. He did show me that at the end of his life, I have to say that. And that opened my eyes to what was missing. Um, it was so sweet to sit with his widow and she was so human. Uh, I didn't remember this way, but frankly, she's done a lot in her years of what she's gone through. That's brought her to a point of being very human, very capable. Um, and she doesn't look worn out and beaten. She looks good. She's taking good care of herself. But I know she struggled. I know she's had a tough life. And yet she comes out of it stronger and for the better and asking all the right questions, mm -hmm. which really touched me. So we had such a nice reciprocal talk and coming together and I hope we see her more uh, she's a wonderful woman she does great stuff I would love to meet her yeah I'd love for you I, to I look forward to it I look for everybody to meet her because yeah. she's special um, but I know we have another break coming up is that right yeah okay where are we at that we could do it now why don't you do it Go okay ahead. you've been listening to the survivor's guide to life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM we'll be back after a short break Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and uh, we've been talking about the challenge and the value of self-awareness for caregivers, of the, their own humanity, their own struggles and shortcomings that will get triggered, stripped to the core in the role of a caregiver and the choice that they have whether to work through them and not hurt anyone and to become more of who they're meant to be or the choice to instead you know not be aware not deal with and end up taking these things out on the people they care about or themselves or themselves yeah. one or the other and so it's it's a choice point and uh your work, our work, has been dedicated to helping people who want to make the better choice. Most of the time. And we sure are there for people who want to do that and to help them as much as we can. Absolutely. And we're there for our own staff, too. And that's the other thing. We have a staff that's been with us a long time. You know why? We take care of them. And we make sure that when their own material, their own wounds begin to show, we don't want them to, to con contaminate 
the work they're doing with people in need. Yes. So we expect them to be healing warriors. We've talked We're, about that in earlier podcasts. That's right. We yes. talked about how at the time we want a person to be 100% present. Even when they're triggered and their own, their own material comes up, they need to recognize it, but not to contaminate the work and start hemorrhaging emotionally on, on the person they're taking care of. That we are very str- we're strong about that. We are. We we really pay attention to those boundaries. I'll tell you this though, it's only temporary, and we know it. We don't tell people now just forget that and it'll go away because most of the time it doesn't. What we do tell them to do is quote unquote push the pause button, be aware of you know things coming up that you you know about within yourself. We will get to it later. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure you get taken care of. We'll make sure that we get your body straightened out and. Uh, the uh, biology of these emotional experiences. Like the anger uh, for yourself that you were talking about. We will get rid of that and purge it so you can get back on your feet quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, We know how to do it, and we do it for our own. We want our own people to do it for others, Um, and uh, so we don't want them to contaminate. We expect healing warriors, all right, but we also know where they're human. We're going to take care of them. They're precious, and they deserve our best. That's a form of caregiving. Yes. The caregiving that goes further, which we're also involved in, are those folks that can't take responsibility. We're not talking about the caregivers themselves, but the folks they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And you're putting out everything you have, and you're also absorbing within yourself a lot of the things are going through, the pain, the energies. That's right. You pick up from people the, what they are going through. That's right. Yes. And that's part of caregiving. You mm-hmm. can't avoid it right. after a point. So that's one of the things, one of the big contributors for people to burn out, which to us is you're done. Mm-hmm. Once you burn out, you're just about finished. Um, you not only have your own pain, you have taken on pain difficulty from the people around you that you care for. Exactly. And when people aren't aware that they're taking on other people's pain and energies mm-hmm. that are, have to do with sickness, that have to do with struggle and pain. Um, you're absorbing that as a caregiver, mm-hmm. and then that's triggering or coming in con- contact with your own pain. Your own pain. Okay, you put enough of that together, you're, you, gotta, you have a formula for burnout. Mm-hmm. Unless you have folks that are caregivers that recognize that, know how to diffuse it, know how to come to grips with it, straighten it out, and come back refreshed, renewed, and ready to keep going. Right. Resilient caregivers. I want to I want to point out one thing we were talking about this this morning uh, in our team meeting. And uh, uh, Kelly, who's a great person on our team, wanted us to point out that what we're talking about isn't something people can always do on their own. Uh, the team model is the way to go with this because um, because of the support, because of the feedback, because of the accountability, because sometimes you need someone to help you see what's going on mm-hmm. so that you can then do something about it. Yeah. Uh, leave it to Kelly. Kelly's very down-to-earth but very smart. And um, she, we, she, I was going to say she, we, all, we believe in the team approach to caregiving. And uh, frankly, we have an ideal team. They all, all of you, are just just wonderful. And I'm not including myself. I, I learn from them all the time. But they offer each other mutual support. There is accountability for sure. And uh, we need that. Everybody needs it. It's mm-hmm. the caregivers, and I'm hearing this is the major model. Go it alone. I think what we're doing is unusual. Yeah. Uh. We're seeing too many caregivers that go it alone, mm-hmm. and they think they should. 
but it doesn't work. It's a very poor model for the long haul, and we've seen it over and over and over again. Uh, we know caregivers, some of our beloved friends, they'll stay, do work 24-7 by themselves with someone who's very ill, sick, or elderly by themselves mm -hmm. all the time. And uh, it's a tough way to go. Um, I've seen that the attitudes of some cultures are, well, of course, that's the way to do it. And that's and I was told, interestingly, I, I mentioned it to someone, uh, a husband of, of one of these caregivers. I said, that's a rough deal to go. And he says, Peter, that's life. Now, in their culture... And he was just a little bit dismissive. He was too dismissive as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Because I know what his wife goes through. She's a great caregiver. A very smart woman, very giving, sacrificing, and capable. Mm -hmm. But I see the price that she pays at times. And, and we've she, had a hard time sometimes helping her understand what we mean when we talk about self-care. Self-care. To her, it's like a foreign language, although I'm not talking intellectually. She's smart. Mm -hmm. It's deeper, and there's a cultural block there. Yeah. Um, she may be, as many of us do, have that committee in her head that's saying, well, that's selfish, and that's weak. Um, we should be able to do this. We're loving people. We're capable. We know how to do it. Those messages are a fallacy. Yeah. Uh, that we call that the committee, and everybody has it. Our our answer to that committee is, oh no, we're talking about we're not talking about being selfish and weak. We're talking about self care and how essential it is. Now, with this particular lady, she's oh, she's wonderful at what she does. She is. Her husband's a caregiver. He's wonderful. He's at what, good too. Oh, he's very good. Excellent. But their attitude culture... They have a little blind spot here. Yes. And it's, it's life. That's what you're going to do. That's life. That's what we get paid to do. Uh, we need the money, and this is our work, and this is our calling, and this is the culture we come from. I get it. And I looked at her, and I said, oh, I get it. We know it because we do it too. But we also know the other component is, of course we have to acknowledge at times what we're feeling and how tough it is. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be nice to see our partner and our husband or our wife or family when we're working 24-7. Would it be nice to be able to take care of ourselves too? Mm -hmm. um, and of course it's okay to say, this was rough, this hurts, I'm hurting. Uh, my heart's breaking, my person I'm taking care of who I love is dying or is very sick and I'm there for them and I love them. And it is very hard. And it's it's hard. not. That's not weak, that's no. human. No, that is the human, that is, the, that is the, the level at which when we can connect with people at that level, that is what means so much. It does, and it's the harder road. Yes. Because if you just maintain, well, that's life, that's not the compassionate road. That's the tough it out road. And there is a component of that we all there's do. There's times for that. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also then needs to be the times when you let down. And acknowledge, and acknowledge the toll that it takes. Yeah. And that's human. Yeah. It's acknowledging your humanity. It's looking at yourself and going, I can't go this alone. And what's better is to work with others and to find a way to develop teams that we can support each other where there will be accountability and support for me too. And mm -hmm. I need it. Mm -hmm. We've seen other people that um, uh, aren't teams. We have another person, but this is common, who because of her own traumas has a disconnect at times when she's in a lot of pain. She doesn't even know no. that she's disconnected. No. That affects her work. And we have to have a team approach. And she was saying this to us today. 
she doesn't see that she's disconnected. She doesn't know that the pain has caused her to disconnect. No. Because originally that's the way she survived. Yeah, she's different. She doesn't have that anger response the way you do. She has a disconnect response. Yes. And so what we said, what she was telling us is, well, the accountability team helps me to realize I'm losing touch or I'm a little spaced out or I'm out of control or I'm not thinking straight or whatever mm -hmm. because I'm upset or I'm exhausted. Yes, that can happen too. Of course it can. That is so, so common. It's human. The thing is, she knows herself enough to know. I have to take responsibility for this. This does happen. And I need to be open and trusting to my team. To hear the message. To, who are supporting me and they can redirect me. Mm -hmm. I can get some rest. I can get some help with the emotional buildup that caused this. Mm -hmm. And then I can go back to work refreshed. And in this lady's life, if she ever did anything to hurt those that she's taken care of, I think what she said today, I'd want to die. She did. And she did say that. That's how much she cares. Yeah. But she's not always aware that how disconnected and upset she is until somebody goes, hey, mm -hmm. you're all over the place and something's going on here and you got to pay attention. She doesn't know she's not. No. So there's many forms of this, but when you have a team of, uh, and there's accountability with love, not cruelty mm -hmm. and uh, negative confrontation, but something loving, it's so re rebuilding and it's healthy, pro health producing. We believe in this model completely. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that caregivers begin to change their awareness and consciousness about this and realize this is very, very important. You're a professional. You need to do this. This is what goes with the territory. We see some, some cultures, well, they go to church, and their churches are very supportive. But that is not the kind of caring we're talking about, although that's very important, too. Uh, the spiritual uh, support is... An, an important part of what Very we're talking much. about. But I think what we're also talking about is someone who knows you on a, an emotional uh, level and is willing to be um, a little confrontational in a positive way. In a positive, loving way, not in a mean way. But so we look at the person as an individual, too, and um, that's really important. Um, um, I think that they, these things are our outreach to the caregivers we value, that we believe are the most precious calling and under most least acknowledged um, for the kind of work and sacrifice they make. But there's a price to be paid and we're showing you what you can do and begin to do to take care of yourselves and do a much better long-term job. To develop an awareness of what we're talking about, right. about what goes on inside you. Uh, that will, if it isn't paid attention to, uh, will come back and interfere with everything that you're hoping to do, trying to do, the connection you're trying to make. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. We're getting close to wrapping up, and, and um, I know there was a lot to say today because I'm going back in my notes of other episodes, and we have talked about the resilience and importance of embracing we may not have used the word, but we've talked about resilience all day today. That's right. And embracing adversity, not running from it. Mm -hmm. um, the people that run from it believe they're living some kind of fantasy life. We're talking about don't run. Embrace it. If you're a caregiver, embrace your work. It's precious work. But learn to grow from it. Learn about the changes you, you will go through about it. We can offer you the solutions and make you aware of how to become 
someone who gains a deeper sense of purpose and meaning of who you're who you are and also develop a sense of connectedness to your fellow man and a deeper sense of love and compassion that you will have a nourishing experience as a caregiver absolutely and you'll have a deeper heartfelt love uh, and your priorities will be on the right path again that's what we're emphasizing and we intend to continue because we see this as such an important challenge and in our society we're not the best at this but we better get good at it because there's so many people in the need, need is exponentially absolutely growing. we're seeing it we have no intention of ignoring it i certainly can't ignore it in my own life with my wife but there's others too jenny just came back uh from seeing her family and she took care of she was part of a caregiving situation all weekend in washington that's probably why i was a little distracted um she it was did a, a good valuable job. wonderful weekend and yeah. painful all at the same time yeah she did so, a beautiful job yeah. this is truly a caregiver right in front of me but that's who we are and we want to encourage other people to embrace what we're talking about specifically caregivers wake up we're here for you and uh, we have a lot to offer you and we will continue and we will because this is our passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We are brought to you by uh, Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a uh, nonprofit. You can find it at sctraumatreatment.org. Uh, if you'd like to know about our show, more about us, or about Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon.